Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to the Perkins Platform. This is a monthly solutions-oriented talk radio show. Each month, we dedicate about 30 minutes to explore contemporary issues and solutions in education leadership, and this is your host, Brian Perkins. Uh, For the past week now, almost two weeks, uh, we've been dedicating our time talking about education and the education systems and process in an era of a COVID-19 pandemic. And we've heard from school building leaders, school district leaders. We've heard from parents and, and even had a panel uh, last week uh, from all over the, the, the world. We had people join in from, from faraway places to tell us about what was going on in their communities. Today, we have uh, a very important show where we focus on the work ahead for school counselors. Uh, Today's show is about what students will need uh, post-COVID-19 pandemic, and we have a great and exciting panel for you today. We have uh, Jill Cook, who is the Assistant Director of the American School Counselor Association. We have Sarah Kirk, who is a school counselor in uh, Oklahoma. And we have Dr. Emily Goodman-Scott, who is a professor at Old Dominion in Virginia and uh, is doing some research uh, with school counselors. So uh, welcome to all of you. Thank you so much, Brian. Thank you. Well, so glad to have you. Um, To our faithful listeners, welcome back, and thank you for being part of our family of over 5,000 epi- uh, listeners every episode. And so uh, we're, we're glad that you're tuned in again. And to our new listeners, we're glad that you've joined us. Um, I just want to jump right in. And um, Jill, I know uh, I've, as a matter of kind of total disclosure, I've known Jill uh, for quite a while now, well over a decade. And um, I uh, have, have long been an advocate and supporter of um, their organization and and really believe that we need to do more in our public schools to have more counselors and and the I recognize the value of counselors in this uh, in in not just this time but in the times in which we live uh, for a while that the, the the role of the counselor is ever even more important and so Jill I tell us a little bit about. Um, what your organization um, is doing right now um, to prepare counselors for um, when we do return back uh, to to our school settings, uh, both for adults and for children. Sure. Thanks, Brian. So, yes, I'm with the American School Counselor Association. We represent the K-12 school counselors across the country. Um, We have over 36,000 members, and and we represent the more than 110,000 school counselors. So as you can imagine, for the past three to four weeks, our primary focus has been on helping school counselors 
really wrap their heads around how to do to continue their work in a virtual setting. And given the nature of school counselors, a lot of our questions initially had to do with um, confidentiality and ethics and, and, you know, how you provide one-on-one -on -one counseling or do you even provide small group counseling and how can you connect with your at-risk students and their families. So given that this was just such a new platform, a new way of working to so many of our members, um, our initial goals have been around providing resources so school counselors feel comfortable. So we've done webinars around the ethics, the legal um, considerations and ethics doing virtual school counseling. Um, we have FAQs. We have a document about how to move your work to a virtual setting, how to work with your school district and administrator. And what we're doing right now is curating lessons at elementary, middle, and high school um, so that these are actual virtual lessons school counselors can deliver um, in a, on an online platform and how they can work with teachers who are working with kiddos in an online platform. So that's sort of the immediate work. But as mm -hmm. you alluded to, the, the considerations are, let's, you know, at some point we will go back to school. We will see these kiddos face-to-face. -face. And, you know, what's going on now, I, I think one of the concerns right now is, you know, how can we support students' mental health and their social-emotional well-being, um, given that they've lost that familiar face of the teacher every day or the school counselor or the comfort, perhaps, mm -hmm. of going into a school building. So school counselors maintaining those relationships and those connections in whatever way they can, whether it's through a phone, a video, through your a website, YouTube videos. I know there are lots of interesting things going on out there. So students still need to know that there's an adult, there's someone to whom they can turn if they have issues or questions or are just scared or they've lost a loved one due to the virus or somebody mm -hmm. they know. Mm -hmm. I, you know, there are lots of unknowns with this. Sure, sure. And I'm, I'm really glad that you brought up the point about uh, students' emotional and uh, uh, psychological well-being. Uh, I know that a number of people that I talked to, and um, myself included, for the longest time, thought about um, school counselors as people who helped you decide where <laughs> you were going to go to college, right, or mm, how, what right. you were going to do with your life, Um and so, Sarah, I would love it if you could tell us a little bit, because I think to dispel some of the, the myths around what school counselors do, um, and that would be great, because I, I, I think there, there may be a lot of people out there who still think that school counselors are about or solely about uh, life preparation, but, but there are a lot of other roles that you carry on. Why don't you tell us a little bit, Sarah, about the work that you do on a regular basis? Sure, I'm happy to. I am an elementary school counselor, so I do not spend the majority of my days um, talking about college and academic counseling. While that is a component of what we do as school counselors, that is certainly no longer the uh, majority of what we do. So as school counselors, we focus on social, emotional, academic, and college and career development. So all three of those, those domains um, are our main focus. I spend a lot of time um, making sure that my school and my students are treated um, through a trauma-informed and trauma-sensitive lens. So now more important than ever, making sure that our practices are safe and respectful and that our discipline is um, skill-based 
and not punitive um, so that we're supporting the whole students, um, their physical health, their well-being, and, of course, their academic and long-term success as well. Mm -hmm. So Mm -hmm. as school counselors, we really um, use that whole child approach. Sure, sure. That and and a lot of the the work that I have come to know about the the well being. I know there's a lot of training that happens to help you understand um, how to help children who may uh, not only just be in distress or in crisis, but just wellness um, is a is a big part of it. And I know there's a a lot of training that goes into that. And I know. Um, Emily, you are um, currently the coordinator for a program, um, and I, I'm just interested. I direct a program at uh, a university as well, and so we're we're actually thinking about how do we how do we incorporate what we're learning and the the skill set that's going to be required for returning. Uh, in our preparation program, I'd love to hear what your thoughts are. What are some of the things that you think will have to shift after this, if anything, um, about the way you're doing your preparation for uh, individuals entering the field? That's a great question, Brian. Um, To answer that and also in response to um, this last subject that Sarah touched on. Um, So school counselors, we train them, as Sarah said, academic, career, social, emotional. They're really able to focus on all aspects of um, the well-rounded K through 12 or pre-K through 12 student. And um, what a lot of folks may or may not know is so an an accredited program, such as the one that I teach in, 60 credit hours, we prepare our school counselors and also our clinical mental health students. They have a lot of the same, the, the core classes are the same. So we're teaching them in lifespan development basic counseling techniques, um, crisis, which has been mentioned, um, trauma, et cetera, all these pieces, but they also get the specialty of how does this look in a school setting, so how they are trained as counselors but also as educators to go in and understand that educational dynamic. So um, as both Sarah and Jill have mentioned, what we're doing now is, is kind of first and foremost we're checking in with our students because we have some students that are, are only taking courses at this point. We have others that are in the schools. So we're checking in um, with all of our students to make sure that mentality of, of helping the helpers, where are they, what do they need, um, how to make sure that, that, that they're, um, like we're with all of our school counselors, not at risk of this compassion fatigue. So how are they, where mm-hmm. are they, mm-hmm. and then bracing them for knowing this is a very fluid situation. Um, mm-hmm. In addition to training the next generation of school counselors, I'm also on the mm-hmm. board for the Virginia School Counselor Association, and we've been working closely with ASCA. Um, in terms of what are resources that we are giving to our members, how are we preparing our members who are also not only pre-service school counselors but practicing school counselors. So a piece of that is um, knowing this is so fluid, what are we right now, we're in a lot of kind of somewhat shock and meeting these basic needs as we're we're knowing that there's this um, increase of needs and, and trauma and death and things that, that may be coming. So we're trying to keep things fluid. So first of all, um, what are you doing to take care of yourself and um, a meeting and checking in with your students right now and then also getting some pieces, what are the ethical parts of a virtual school counseling, but then mm-hmm. also preparing with some supports around um, crisis and the trauma-informed care 
that, um, that Sarah spoke, spoke about as well. So really having a framework, but keeping that framework fluid, knowing that this is an evolving situation. But knowing sure. also at the sure. end of the day, we'll be going back to school um, with them. So we're keeping those connections in place, as, as Jill mentioned. Sure. So you, you mentioned something that I, I haven't heard this term before. Uh, I'd love for you to say more about compassion fatigue. Uh, tell me a little more about that. Well, great question. Um, what we can hear about with this compassion fatigue as, um, as helpers, as counselors, school counselors, we, um, are, we see a lot. Um, one thing that we advocate for a good bit is decreasing our ratios. As the recommended ratio is 1 to 250, we often have um, higher ratios, but we have been advocating um, for, that, for that lowering, which has been um, evolving and going well. And with, with the numbers that we have, and also just in general, we're seeing increased rates of mental health concerns in the schools. So um, we talk about this with society in general, increased anxiety, increased depression, um, suicide, ideation. And um, as a result of that, to to ensure that um, the school counselors are able to to go and to be present for our students and our families, you need to make sure that they are taking care of themselves. So there's really been um, a movement on um, different practices that folks can do, school counselors can do to Mm -hmm. take care of themselves Mm -hmm. to decrease the likelihood of compassion fatigue. Okay, that, thank you for that. Um, that's a very important um, uh, piece of advice, uh, and, and I know that it's an important aspect of the work that you do to just remind people to take care of themselves. Uh, we, we often in leadership uh, use the, uh, the, the metaphor of, uh, of putting the mask on yourself first before you try to help others. Um, and I'm sure that that applies equally as well to counselors, um, making sure that they Absolutely. are well uh, and so that they can help other people, uh, which leads me to, I know, Jill, you are, you are in contact with counselors all over the United States and, and um, I think all, uh, some other countries as well um, through the organization. Um, what are you hearing counselors say that they are hearing out there or what they're dealing with right now. Um, the reason I ask this question is because I, I have a feeling that we have with a great deal of ease, just uh, dare I say cavalierly said, Hey, just go and to our teachers, just go and do what you do in an online setting or just go and and be engaged yep. with children in this way. I I although I I know that children are very resilient and I know that a lot of children will be just fine and will will adjust and adapt and go right back to things the way they were. I just am really concerned first that we've underestimated this shock to the system. You know, a lot of people are desensitized to you. They, they, don't want, they don't want you to use words like trauma because it's like that's an, mm-hmm. that's, an, that's an overstatement. And when, in fact, you know, a shock like this is a traumatic experience. Mm-hmm. And so, I, I, you know, I could go on and on about my feelings about it, but I just wonder what the counselors are saying out there that they're seeing and hearing from the field. So a couple of things. Um, One is concerns over those students who were most at risk even in a school setting. And I know we've read lots about just 
trying to provide food for those students who receive free and reduced lunch and, and schools and districts really wrestling with and trying to determine how to make that so students can actually get that food. But then thinking about, all right, those students who came from perhaps um, a, a volatile home environment. And so school was an outlet every day. It was a safe place for them to be. And so they are in this home environment now all the time for the most part. So mm -hmm. I hear a lot from school counselors who are so worried about their students who might be in those scenarios. Mm -hmm. Okay. And so then what does, what does that mean and, and how do we support them? So, you know, hopefully we can still reach out to them virtually or via phone. Um, some of the school counselors concerns is one of, one of the, the pride that, that school counselors take is being able to have um, that one-on-one -on -one with the student in an individual counseling session when you could go into your office and close the door and work with the student. Well, in a virtual setting, confidentiality isn't necessarily guaranteed for, for a variety of reasons. So how can you reach out and continue to support that student and let them be able to share things or talk through things that they may need to, knowing that they may be in an environment where, where the concerns are to begin with? And then the other piece is, so let's say we have a student who, who is expressing um, the intent to hurt self or someone else. You know, how do you, how do you intervene as a school counselor virtually? All right. Mm, um, sure, um, sure. Student, go, ta go take your laptop to your parent. Who is at home? I need to talk with them now, either via the computer or via phone. What if there's nobody at home? Um, then mm -hmm. it becomes a matter of reaching out to that community organization or the police or somebody who can actually physically go to the home to do a wellness check. So mm. things that we really hadn't thought about um, in terms of how we support students who might be having, you know, as Emily talked about, um, these, these, the anxiety, some of the mental health issues, um, being in, a, in a, an unsafe home. So mm -hmm. they're thinking lots of things, Brian. There's just, you know, school counselors, as we've alluded to, are very, as all educators, so caring, so compassionate. And I think some of the anxiety about their concern for their students is really heightened in this this new way of interacting with mm. them. No, uh, absolutely. Thank you for that. And I, I you know, I, I probably worry myself to death thinking about uh, the the very thing that you mentioned. Um, and, I, and I also think that many of us make assumptions about uh, just go home, just the, the the notion that you can tell someone to go home, and it's not necessarily the best place for some people. Um, and so yep. um, I, I think it's it's really it's really worth uh, us taking a, a long look at. Uh, the other part to this that that a lot of times we don't think about is that we you know we have been focused a bit on on the children and, and rightfully so. Um, but I, I want to shift just a moment to talk a little bit about adults in this equation. And also to what extent do the counselors um, notice and pick up on, on, on behaviors from, from adults that are are going to need to be addressed as well and and what do you do about that uh if you're 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 trained as a counselor you see things happening um do you do you have a role at all in addressing some of what might be 
uh, troubling behaviors that are coming from adults after this. Yeah, Sarah, I was wondering if you had any interaction with the staff at your school right now. I've heard from school counselors who've talked a little bit about how they are reaching out to staff, just as they would do, you know, if they saw them in a brick-and-mortar setting. But what's your experience been with your um, communication with your other staff members? Yeah, absolutely. That's been a big part of what I have done the last several weeks as we prepare for what our new normal looks like is really being that support for our other staff members because while it might be overused, they are experiencing traumas as well and they are, you know, living and breathing this. They're getting given a task that is really, really difficult um, to to really roll out well and effectively. So, so myself and my counseling team has really tried to be a support to them, um, both their mental health and just collaborating with them, trying to be a resource to them, um, helping them through situations that um, have been difficult, such as contacting students that we don't have working phone numbers for or things like that. Um, we've also really tried to bridge the communication with all of the adults um, that with the students that we have been in contact with um, the, the really at-risk students that we've already checked on and, and put other supports in place. I'm communicating all of that back to the teacher so that they understand um, what we're doing and ease their mind a little bit on that front. Um, but, but Brian, I think it's a very, very good point that as we think about transitioning back to a brick and mortar school, eventually, it's not just the students who, um, will have experienced a really significant, um, trauma in their life. I mean, really everyone has. And so what that looks like and how we can support them is going to be really important. I know, um, one other thing my district has really emphasized is our um, resources that we are provided by because we're employees of the school district. They've moved all of the mental health resources to telehealth. So they have sent out many different resources about us getting mental health um, support through this as well. And I think that's important. Like Emily said, that compassion fatigue is real and self-care is certainly important um, now mm-hmm. more than ever. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And and Jill, so um, I know that you offer a range of of services to your members. Uh, does that also include um, working with them? Uh, I guess the advocacy piece around um, increasing the the presence of counselors um, in in districts. Because I, when I think about it, I know of places, many places that don't have counselors at the elementary school level at all. Mm-hmm. Uh, they, they definitely, you know, they have in some cases a part-time school psychologist, but I know that there are many elementary schools that don't have counselors, but uh, what are you, are you seeing any movement in terms of uh, the understanding of importance here uh, for counselors? 
Absolutely, Brian. Um, and Emily alluded to this, you know, the current ratio nationally is one school counselor for every 442 students. ASCA recommends one to 250. So while we're still not near that recommendation, the good news is this ratio has significantly decreased in the last five to six years. And what okay. we're seeing is that there are states, and Emily can speak to this um, through her work with the Virginia School Counselor Association, there are states that are passing legislation specifically to hire more school counselors. Um, okay. Arizona recently had a big bill that funded um, particularly elementary school counselors. You're right about that. We typically see um, uh, closer to the proper ratio in middle and high schools than we do in elementary, and, and often you know, one school counselor may have two or three schools, but we're seeing more and more districts and states see the importance of having these professionals in schools. Again, because as Sarah said at the beginning, school counselors, you know, work with kids on the academic, the career, the social, emotional, and we don't just work with those kiddos who are applying to college anymore. School counselors today work with all students all students in a school. So having those personnel is just so critical. Um, so yes, we at the national level work certainly on the federal legislation um, and those opportunities to insert school counseling language or, or funding opportunities for states to hire um, student uh, specialized instructional student support personnel, um, including school counselors. But it really comes mm -hmm. down to the advocacy of our state associations. And again, um, Sarah's involved with the Oklahoma School Counselor Association, em Emily in Virginia. Um, and Emily, you could speak a little to what you all did in Virginia. Absolutely. I would love to. Um, well, so we have been picking up momentum over the years. And at the state level, our ratios have not changed in about 30 years until last year. So we have been lobbying um, at the state level, and we were able to get the um, $12 million a year ago for new school counseling positions, which was a huge win, considering we had 30 years without touching that ratio. And then this year, wow. um, the governor proposed over $99 million for new school counseling positions in Virginia. Oh, that's awesome. And, that's um, awesome. Isn't that incredible? So it has been an incredible time nationally to be a school counselor um, because there's been a lot of momentum behind understanding what it is that we do and how we can mm -hmm. serve the whole student. And, and sure. again, at the elementary level, there's so much prevention that's needed in order to, to our goal is to graduate healthy, well-rounded individuals. And that starts mm -hmm. when they're young with working with the families and prevention for youth. Um, so there's a lot of that intervention that happens. So um, in Virginia, we're, we're waiting for the General Assembly and that final budget to come through um, currently. But it's, it's been very exciting and then hearing these stories from a lot of other states that are, are making a dent for that ratio to get lower so we can, can better serve our students. Wow. Yes. Thank you for sharing that. And, and thank you, Jill, for those statistics. I, I mean, I can't imagine 1 to 442. Um, so as, as I think you, don't, you can do the math and you can tell how difficult it would be just for um, a counselor, even with the 1 to, two, the one to 250, uh, to, uh, to actually touch base with all the students in a school, just, just touching base to make sure that there are wellness checks and things like that, that how difficult that is. Um, so, um, but I'm so, I'm glad to hear that those numbers are, 
are uh, decreasing for uh, in terms of the ratio of of students to counselors. Um, so as we we prepare to wrap up, Sarah, I would um, uh, like to hear. Uh, if you could give us a sneak peek, what some of your plans are, you know, uh, Emily, you mentioned that there's been good uh, people are, are coming to recognize. And I hope uh, this broadcast does something that it touches someone to know that this is this is very important work that's being done by the counselors. Um, Sarah, could you just give us a sneak peek on. Um, what you plan to do, you know, when you, you I'm, I'm sure you've given some thought to when I get back, uh, here's what I'm going to do with my kids, with my school uh, to, to get started um, with this, with the work post COVID-19 pandemic. Sure. Um, definitely. I've thought a lot about what those, what those days will look like. Um, I think that what I keep coming back to, and I always have as a school counselor, is that at the heart of everything we do is relationship. And that is why educators are having a hard time with this transition, because virtual relationships just aren't the same, and it's tough on us. And so, my hope for my school and my staff as we look towards how to be a stronger school than ever when we return from all of this is remembering that that relationship has to be at the heart of all we do. And if we can find the silver lining in all of this, I hope that what we're able to do is bring back the things that were really, really working within our school and what we're helping build those strong relationships. But I also hope we can leave behind some things that weren't best practices. I've Mm -hmm. been a strong advocate for discipline, not being punitive. I don't believe in suspensions for our kids and that's a practice we still see all the time. And so if we can see how, this time away from our school building really impacted kids, then let's leave them in our school and let's find Mm -hmm. ways to make Mm -hmm. discipline skill-based and skill-building for our kids and and really just be more aware of, of what our kids are going through. Yes, this is a trauma that they are all experiencing, but we have many, many kids who unfortunately experience a lot of traumas. And for them, really this is just another drop in the bucket and we've got to find a way to serve those students and serve the whole student um, effectively and, and meeting them where they are. And again, I just think it all comes down to that relationship with them and building stronger relationships, building um, stronger communities around these kids who need us and just focusing on that. Well, thank you very much for that, uh, and especially you putting relationships at the center that a mentor of mine once said, uh, there are only three things that matter in schools, and those three things are relationships, 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 and so I yep. have a deep appreciation for that. Um, I, I do have, I know we're we're running out of time, but I do have um, a caller has just uh, dialed in. I want to give... Uh, a chance for this this one call. Uh, caller, you there from seven one three area code? Yes, um, I'm calling you guys from yes. Texas. I've truly enjoyed this broadcast, by the way. So thank you guys so much for this. I just had a question about um, some of the concerns I have as a result of the call. My concern is, <clears throat> what can we do 
to prepare for uh, counselors to be more of an essential role in schools. Um, it seems as though, uh, from what you guys described, they are essential employees, and we, in this, you know, in this pandemic, need them more so than ever out in these, you know, in the homes with the uh, parents. But once they return. What, what is it that we need to do to, to put this on the agenda of schools and, and school boards to, you know, to encourage them to view counselors as essential employees and to actually place a greater emphasis on employing a greater number of them? Well, this is Jill, and I just I thank you for that question and for the appreciation for seeing and as you hear from us about how important school counselors are. So at the big level, um, you know, ASCA does, we do have a lot of research, and Emily has been involved in some of that, that shows the impact that having school counselors and having comprehensive school counseling programs, the impact it has on schools. And another shift in the profession has been the use of data to actually show that impact. We, we have mm-hmm. research that talks about, you know, test scores improve, attendance improves, discipline issues decrease. Um, while there might be many factors involved in that, we know the school counselor and the school counseling program does make an impact. So one of the things we've done nationally and worked with school counselors to do at the district and school level is really to show that data, to show those results about what that intervention, about what that program they implemented and oversaw, the difference it made in those outcomes that are important for principals and school boards and superintendents, um, that they're looking at um, those data points for their school districts. So some of it is, you know, it's really from the grassroots level up, really just um, singing singing that song and showing the data and talking about the difference we make. Um, Sarah and Emily, I'd love to hear from you. I agree completely, Jill, is we know that we make a difference, um, particularly in the area of relationships, as Sarah was mentioning. And we need to be able to show stakeholders. In this age of accountability and education, we need to show how we contribute to the school's overall mission, the school's overall um, goal, closing the achievement gap, having more equity, more access for all of our students. So that's a big piece of what we do is showing how we make a difference and being able to use data to show that and um, really empowering our, our school counselors because we have school counselors that have been trained more recently in that model in the last 15 or so years. And then we have school counselors that have been around a while and we're continuing um, to provide professional development to them through our associations, through the district level, to kind of also support them so they can show how what they're doing makes a difference and how it impacts every student. Yeah, and I would agree with, with both Emily and Jill that I think that the data really shows it, but the important part is getting that data out to the stakeholders. I think my school knows what I do is important. My parents see that. Um, but the callers, it's correct that it's it's not always known, and, and counselors mm-hmm. are not always great about bragging about themselves, and so we have to we have to get the word out. So we appreciate opportunities like this to get the word out, and we will keep shouting it from the rooftops all we can. Sure. Well, I as I said, I've long been a supporter and advocate, and so I'm I really appreciate, and I'm sure there are a lot of people out there that appreciate the work that is being done uh, during this time and certainly the work that is to come 
uh, from school counselors right on the front line, ensuring emotional and psychological well-being of uh, countless students. So thank you and thank you all uh, for being in today's broadcast. Uh, we've run over a bit. Uh, but I, it was it's worth every second of it. Uh, as I told you, it's a really quick 30 minutes, and uh, we we are excited that you have been here, and we're just going to have to circle back and get you back in uh, to see how things are going uh, later in the year. Uh, I do want to let you know that on Friday at 2 p.m., we have another broadcast coming up, um, and for the first time um, – on Perkins platform, we are we have invited students to come, um, mm-hmm. and the, the broadcast is how our children are experiencing the the pandemic. We're going to hear directly from them. I have a panel of about six children from all over the United States, Chicago and Texas and and Alabama and New York. Um, all are going to talk and share with us. Uh, you know, from the from the mouth of babes, uh, we're going to hear from them to tell us what they're experiencing, uh, not just our interpretation of what they're experiencing. So, uh, for those of you listening, that will be uh, this Friday at 2 p.m. So the link is on the site. Uh, but again, back to the counselors, uh, I I can't express enough how much I appreciate you being on today's show. Um, and to everyone out there, stay safe. Uh, mind your social distancing and until next time go well, stay well 